What's up, everybody? On this week's episode, I'll discuss my Labor Day weekend and meeting Travis Barker. We'll get into Trump's latest disinformation push against evil marijuana, and we'll break down the latest saga between Kaepernick, Nike, and the NFL. I'm Grayson Gregory, and this is the Prove Me Wrong Podcast presents What's Happening. So off the top, I hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. I know I sure did. It started out Friday going out with my friends uh, Chris and Kristen to go out and celebrate Chris's 33rd birthday. They invited me with a group of their friends to go down to the Hard Rock in San Diego. And we went to this Friday day party. Is that how you say it? To go see this tech house DJ named Fisher. I'd seen him once before for like 20 minutes. It's not really my scene, but we had an epic time. <laughs> From there, we went on to a little club in San Diego called the Omnia to go watch a DJ named Nightmare. We had enough people with us, we ended up pulling together, getting ourselves a VIP table, and it was wild. Although, if you're not friends with me on Facebook, then you probably didn't get this one little anecdote that happened over the weekend. So on Friday, I'd left the table, decided I need to go get a water, went to the bar, and I could see this kid kind of looking at me. I'm like, oh, maybe he knows who I am. Nope, doesn't at all. He kindly asked me, excuse me, sir, do you mind me asking how old you are? Said, well, 32. How old did you think I was? Said, I guess probably 35 or 36. He then went on to say, man, that's so cool that you're still partying at your age. I hope when I'm that old that I'll still be partying too. Shoot me in the head. I wanted to tell him, look here, young whippersnapper. 32 comes a lot quicker than you think. I know when you're young, you're 21, 22, and you think you're never going to be 30 years old. It comes in a blink of an eye. And you know what? You should hope that you're still partying at my age because I'm doing things right. Life's good. If you saw how much fun I had that night or the next day, you could only hope that you are having this much fun when you're my age. But look, I have no pets, I have no kids, got no girlfriend, have no wife, I have no responsibility, so what does that mean? That means that I get to go out and do me, and that's what I try to do at any opportunity that comes up. Like I said, we'd seen Nightmare that night and everything, and then I'd left because I got my own hotel room, so I went and found a local bar to kind of calm down before I went home to go to sleep, and I'm checking out at the end of the night, and who do I run into? I run into Risk Rock. If you guys don't know who Risk Rock is, he's one of the top graffiti artists in the country. You've probably seen his work on some ad campaigns, whether you know it or not. He's worked with people like Us Versus Them, The Seventh Letter, and many, many others. And that was just the start of what would be a crazy weekend of me running into celebrities. Now look, I'm not a celebrity whore. I don't do much. Ask anybody that's ever been with me if I've run into someone I like, I give them a dap and I keep on walking. But I thought that was pretty rad to kind of run into him there. So that's where it starts. The next day, I wake up. I'm changing hotel rooms because that room was already booked and I decided in the course of the night, the next day I was going to go out and see Travis Barker DJ at the same day club that I was at the day before. So I'm walking my car to go move it. And who do I see? I see this tattooed guy from head to toe. And I'm like, oh, that's Mike from MXPX. 
So I don't stop him. I don't get a picture or anything. I just nod and say, what's up, Mike? Think he appreciated. He just kind of continued on his way. So from there, my friend Jackie comes down and we get ready to go see Travis Barker at the Hard Rock. And look, I'm not club clothes wearer guy. When I go to like day parties and pool parties, I'm not guy who's going to be walking around and cut off shirts and shit. So I went with joggers on. If you guys don't know what joggers are, those, those, they're awesome pants that scrunch kind of right up above the ankle. Had a t-shirt on like this, similar to what I'm wearing right now. And I almost didn't get let in. It was the one time I was almost too dressed up to get into a club. But I digress. So for any of you that for any of you that had seen the pictures of Friday or Saturday night, this venue's crazy because it's right in the middle of the Hard Rock, and all the hotel rooms can like look down upon you. And they call it a pool party, I guess, on Saturday. But the pool is a glorified bathtub. It's not like there's hundreds of people in there. I don't even think it fits a hundred people. So essentially, it was just a day party that happened to have a pool off into the side. So one of the reasons I wanted to go was because. Travis Barker was doing a DJ set. Now I've never seen him do a DJ, just a strictly DJ set, and I think it's one of the new things he's doing. So where the stage was, we decided to kind of post off to the side because the sound's not the best there. So we kind of wanted to post up where we can get a good view, especially in case any cameos come up, any guest DJs, any guest artists. And lo and behold, that's what happened. So we're right off to the left-hand side, got a good view, made some friends. If you've never been to like a venue like that, there's good vibes. There's good people. I didn't see any fights. Everybody just having a good time. Somebody nudges you. They actually say, hey, sorry, man. Met this guy right in front of me that was from Corona. Had been a Blink fan a long time, kind of like me, and just wanted to go see what was all about. So the only cameo he had was that 1.2 short came out. Yes, that too short, which was awesome. And then after the set, I knew right where I was. I'm like, hey, Travis is gonna come down off the stage be able to give him a dap and say what's up. So the set ends, exactly what I thought was gonna happen, comes to fruition, he comes down now. He and I have a mutual friend. Some of you know that mutual friend. The person that is a mutual friend from way back when doesn't really like me talking about it, but um, here's a photo from back in the day. So he came down, I said, hey man, we have a mutual friend and <laughs> he said, oh no shit, that's what's up. We talked for a little bit more, I told him thanks for being him, asked if we got a selfie, and then I got this picture. If you're already on Instagram, you've already seen this photo. Now, one of the things that's been interesting trying to figure out is if you see the photo on Instagram, not only did Travis Barker give it a double click, he also gave the horns emoji on it too. But here's where it gets weird. I didn't tag him in the photo. I didn't write his name in the photo. I didn't tag the venue in the photo. So how the hell did he find it? People have been texting me, my friends are going, how do you find it? We have no idea. Do they have some other feature when they're verified of some like facial recognition? I don't know, but if you're smarter than me and you're one of those people that actually know what might've happened, hit me up, because I would love to know how Travis Barker ended up finding that photo. It kind of took, <laughs> it took me a second because I woke up the next day going, shit, maybe he follows me. Nope, definitely doesn't do that. But for Grayson, for that time, for that day, it was a lot of fun. Now, for those of you that don't know my backstory, I've interviewed a lot of different NBA players, UFC fighters, I've been credentialed for a lot of things, so I don't say that I get starstruck when it comes to these type of events. But that was just a cool moment and a cool day to say what up, take a photo, 
and do what we did. So why was Travis dope to me? Well, first off, he was the drummer of my favorite band ever. And I actually, this is gonna sound hipster for a second. I liked Blink like before he got in there and everything. If you guys remember Dude Ranch, that was like the Blink fan that I first became a fan of. But he was like the guy that turned you on to all the cool shit. He was the first guy I remember seeing like covered in tattoos that had like stomach tattoos. Sure, Tupac had a stomach tattoo, but not like that, like that. Dude was from the 909. He was like from my backyard. He made it. The way I dressed as a kid was probably because of him. The reason I had a lower truck was probably because of him. Hell, probably even the reason I started smoking cigarettes when I was young was because of him. Dude let me know that it was okay to be fans of all different types of genre of music. Remember like back in the 90s and the early 2000s, like you were a hip hop kid, you were a punk kid, you were a pop punk kid, and that's just the way it went. You weren't really mingling all these genres. There wasn't the same type of streaming services now back then. And back then, like who did it like him? Who? translated from the pop punk scene and got into hip-hop who'd you know that was doing remixes for flowrider or eminem or black eyed peas before he was doing it nobody Hell, even the way I think I approach this podcast, it's in the back of my mind, it's because things that I'd picked up from him when I was younger. And I don't mean to be fanboying here, but I don't feel like he really ever got the credit he deserved in pushing the culture forward and creating the melting pot that he has. I mean, how many of us are in the future generations have gotten tattoos were strictly because he was the one that kind of opened the door for us. In my little circle, when I think of people that had tattoos that kind of made it okay for everybody else, it was Travis Barker, it was Allen Iverson, and this next one's gonna make you cringe, but if you're from where I'm from, you know it's true. It was the Metal Militia guys. They were covered before most people were covered in this city. But enough about that. I say all those things to say I had an awesome weekend. I feel very fortunate to be able to experience all the things I have and all the things that I do. I don't take any of this for granted. So if you have some time, go take a day out for yourself. Go see that band you wanted to see. I promise you, you're gonna feel so much better in life if you go out and just have a treat yourself day. But enough about about my weekend and being a little fanboy when it comes to Travis Barker. Now let's talk about Trump and his latest attempt to demonize marijuana. Drugs are bad. You shouldn't do drugs. If you do them, you're bad. Because drugs are bad, okay? The White House has tasked a multi-agency committee with countering pro-marijuana messaging, according to a recent report. According to TheHill.com, the Marijuana Policy Coordination Committee, yes, that's what they call it, reportedly has asked 14 federal agencies in the DEA to forward data demonstrating the most significant negative trends about marijuana and the threats to the country. So what does that mean? It means you're about to see a push and flooding of the market of disinformation of all the negative side effects of marijuana. Staff believe that if the administration is to turn the tide on increasing marijuana use, there is an urgent need to message the facts about the negative impacts of marijuana use, production, and trafficking on a national health, safety, and security according to a meeting summary from BuzzFeed. Did you catch that? What's happening here is there's too much support for the legalization of marijuana. So now Trump and his Marijuana Policy Coordination Committee are going to try and scare the people away with horror stories. So before we kind of start getting into it and breaking it down, here are the five largest proponents against marijuana legalization. They are the police unions, the private prisons, 
prison guard unions in the last two industries that donate the most money to keeping marijuana illegal. You can probably guess it, the pharmaceutical companies and the alcohol companies. Gee, I wonder why. Also, hey, Donald Trump, I thought you were the real news. I thought you were completely against fake news. You know what is fake news? Is that marijuana is dangerous. Is it 100% harm free? No! But what in the hell in life is? You can die from drinking too much water. Eat a pound of salt and see how you feel. Go swimming in the ocean. Nothing is completely harm free. But to argue that marijuana is harmful and a threat to our society in 2018? What's next? You gonna threaten me that if I'm gonna be naughty, Santa's not gonna come down the chimney? Should I fear the elf on the shelf? You sound foolish. We know better. If marijuana was such a grave threat, then where are all the dead bodies? People blacked out, domestic disputes, an uptick in crime on April 20th every year. For the uninitiated, 420 is a St. Patrick's Day for marijuana enthusiasts. Now think about this for a second. Think about Cinco de Mayo, St. Patrick's Day, 4th of July, New Year's Eve, Labor Day, Memorial Day, or really any of our thousands of other holidays that we associate with alcohol consumption. White people don't care what they drink. All they care about is what they said when they was leaving the house. Tonight, we're getting fucked up. Think of all the craziness you see. The drunk stumbling people, the crying girlfriends, the crying boyfriends, the crying bachelors, the crying bachelorettes, people puking into trash cans, people passed out in public locations, public urination, or just think of any given night in Vegas and the chaos you see. Now how much of that is attributed to alcohol? 100%. Think of the last time you were at a comedy club and someone started heckling or responding to a comedian. What do you think that person had consumed that night? Alcohol? Or marijuana? Now we mentioned 420. How many of those same exact things do you see from people over consuming marijuana? I'll wait. Venturing to guess, none. For those of you that smoke or eat edibles, pop quiz. How many times have you ever gotten in a fight with your lady or man, family member, stranger, and the root cause had been cannabis? I can only speak for me, but the answer is a resounding zero. Zip, zilch, nada. I've never blacked out, never woken up curious how I got home, never spent all night out making bad decisions, never spent too much money. Like all those awful things I've done with alcohol, none can be attributed to cannabis. No what does happen? I'm more introspective. I'll say I'm sorry. I'll try and defuse a situation. Let that person in the grocery store go ahead of me. Now I don't have to tell you guys this. Why? Because my audience is smart. But the next time you're talking to someone that still thinks marijuana is a gateway drug or causes violence, ask them when the last time they were out in public and saw anybody that was being obnoxious or being violent or being just overall belligerent and the root cause was marijuana. I bet their answer will be never. But now it's time to get into the Kaepernick, Nike, and NFL story. Now 
Now, I know a lot of you are probably sick and tired of this issue, but I'd like to think that I'm coming at this at a slightly different angle. So before we get into any of this, I only attend one or two sporting events a year. And if I do, I would stand for the national anthem. Unless Trump comes out and tries to make it illegal, then at that point, I'm gonna sit crisscross applesauce down on the ground with both middle fingers in the air saying, fuck you, Trump. I don't think that's gonna happen. That's something dictators do, and I don't take kindly to dictators. I'm very pro-freedom over here, and I'm not alluding to that's what he's gonna do, so everybody just relax. Now, before we get into the latest controversy, I think it's important to rewind and get some very important facts straight. Number one, did you know when Colin Kaepernick first decided to start this protest, he consulted with former Seahawks player and Green Beret, Nate Boyer, and it was Nate Boyer who in fact was the one who advised him taking a knee was actually the respectful way to protest. Here, take a look at this video. We sort of came to a middle ground where he would take a knee alongside his teammates. Soldiers take a knee in front of a fallen brother's grave, you know, to show respect. When we're on a patrol, you know, and we go into a security hall, we take a knee and we pull security. Was I, he receptive? I, very receptive. He said, I think that would be, I think, I think that would be really powerful. And, you know, he asked me to, to, to do it with him. And I said, look, I'll stand next to you. I got to stand, though. I got to stand with my hand on my heart. That's just what I do and, and where I'm from. You got called a lot of names. I got called a lot of things from both sides. I was told I was a disgrace to the Green Beret. That hurts. You know, it really does. But then I also had a lot of people in the military say, I think you're on to something. What did he say there? He said, see, we kind of came to a middle ground. I thought that it was okay if he took the knee because that's what we do in the military. He asked if he would do it with him. He said he wasn't comfortable with it. But when you see the photo, he's standing right there next to him. So this is not against the military as the media likes to portray. Number two, on the issue of keeping police accountable. Did you know that since the beginning of 2005, there have been 82 non-federal sworn law enforcement officers with general powers of interest, police officers, deputies, state troopers, who have been arrested for murder or manslaughter resulting from an on-duty shooting where the officer shot and killed someone. Of those 82 officers to date, only 30 have been convicted of a crime resulting from the on-duty shooting. 14 by guilty plea, 16 by jury trial, and none by a bench trial. Only five officers have been convicted of murder. In four of those cases, the murder convictions were overturned. I'll say that again. Five officers have been convicted of murder, and in four of those cases, the murder convictions have been overturned. Number three. Did you know according to the U.S. Flag Code Section 176, as it pertains to the respect for the flag, it states, the flag should never be used for advertising purposes in any manner whatsoever. It should not be embroidered on such articles as cushions, handkerchiefs, or the like, printed or otherwise impressed on paper napkins, boxes, or anything that is designed for temporary use and discard. So if this last 4th of July or on Labor Day, you're using plates, cups, napkins, towels with the American flag on it, you might just want to sit this one out. However, it goes on. The flag should never be used as wearing apparel, bedding, or drapery. 
It should never be festooned, drawn and packed, nor up in folds, but always allowed to fall free. Bunting of blue, white, and red always arranged with the blue above, the white in the middle, and the red below. Should be used for covering a speaker's desk, draping the front of the platform, and for decoration in general. So do you know what that means? That means the symbols like these from the Blue Lives Matter are actual signs of disrespect to the flag. Also, hey Tommy Laren, why are you disrespecting the flag, bro? You hate America and our troops? Have you read the flag code? That's a big no-no. But ah, those pesky little facts. So now that we got that out of the way, let's get into the boycott in the NFL. Hey people who keep continually getting mad at the NFL and Colin Kaepernick, I thought y'all were boycotting this already. Like since last year for sure, if not the year before that, how do all of you know this info and continue getting mad if you're boycotting? It's because you're not. It's because it's fake outrage. It's because you wear these players' names on your back. You name your children after them. You name your dogs after them. You play fantasy football. You're not giving this up. We've already talked about the ratings and what they mean. Ratings are up since all of this has started. Ask yourself this. Out of all the people outraged, have you met one single person that has told you and actually followed through with watching no coverage of the NFL? I'm talking no preseason, no actual games, no following any players or teams or leagues on social media, no Super Bowl, no checking scores, no watching SportsCenter. And for you Fox News watchers, definitely don't support Fox anymore. They're one of the major NFL networks. Maybe I'm wrong since I'm out here in liberal California, but I've not met one single person that was already a fan claim and follow through with now boycotting the NFL. Sure, maybe a casual fan to stop paying attention, but they don't really count here now, do they? We're talking about you NFL fans that are all about America. So what we're talking about here, in my estimation, is fake outrage. Keyboard warriors. By the way, I looked up the definition of the word boycott because I was curious how Merriam-Webster's broke it down. Definition says, withdraw from a commercial or social relations with a country, organization, or person as a punishment or protest. It goes on, a punitive ban that forbids relations with certain groups, cooperation with a policy, or the handling of goods. So see now, if you're protesting the NFL, that's a little bit different. But remember, now all you guys that are keyboard warriors on social media, you're talking about how you're boycotting the NFL. So if you're boycotting it, then you should be forbidden from relations, the handling of goods, you know, like wearing jerseys, withdraw from commercial or social relations, stop following all those people on social media. And if you're boycotting, boycott. Don't patron a single one of the sponsors of the NFL. Good luck with that. Throw out or donate every single poster, jersey, hat, shirt, pillow, blanket that has your favorite player or the logo on it. Remember, 
you're boycotting. And if you're now backpedaling saying, no, no, Grayson, this isn't a boycott, we're just protesting, then good, protest. I want you in the streets holding signs, locking yourself to entrances. Come on, damn it, protest. If you're all so upset and really truly want to defend the troops and the police officers like you claim, then get off your damn ass and protest. Step away from that keyboard. Do something about it. Don't just be a little keyboard warrior. And furthermore, if you're one of those people asking why or how much is Kaepernick donating to the cause, I'm glad you asked that question. In fact, from October 2017 to January 31st of 2018, just in four short months, he personally donated a million dollars in which the likes of Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and other players have matched donations, so it's well over a million dollars. So for all of you that keep saying, why doesn't he do something in the community? Why don't you? What are you doing? How much of your time are you donating? Please show me the receipt of the charities you've donated to. I'll give you my email address. Oh, what's that? You haven't? Then why don't you worry about getting your house in order before you start condemning somebody else's? See, it's all fake outrage. I'll even give you one more example of the things I saw on Twitter and social media yesterday from right-wing pundit Clay Travis. He said, hey Kaepernick, when will you speak out on Nike paying overseas workers less than $3 a day to make its shoes? Look forward to it giving you value politics over all commerce and business interests. Open forum on OutKick for you as always to discuss. Thanks. And there was many like that. If you're on Facebook or on Twitter, I'm sure you saw some of the same things. The point I think that these same people are missing is about the hypocrisy coming into play. How are they too being hypocritical, you might ask? Because I certainly haven't seen the outrage about this child labor from these same exact people that are now bringing it up. And furthermore, if you're gonna highlight this point, definitely don't do it on a smartphone where companies like Android and Apple certainly exploit their employees and resources and working conditions. I mean, Apple has suicide nets around their factories because so many workers were committing suicide due to the conditions. And also, you might want to cancel that Amazon Prime subscription because have you read about how their employees feel about working there? But of course, it's not about this. It's about fake outrage. The hypocrisy here is almost as laughable as what you saw during Occupy Wall Street. Remember when that happened back in like 08 and 09 and you saw hipsters in New York out there protesting the 1% and these big corporations but they were doing it on their iPhone while at Starbucks ordering an espresso on their Wi-Fi. The same thing is happening right now. Both sides are being hypocritical on the issue. If you don't want to watch the NFL, then don't. Otherwise, you just look like that friend that broke up with their significant other and said, good riddance, I never want to be with that person again. Yet every day they're Facebook stalking them and telling you what they're doing and what they're up to. Break off that relationship. Stop watching the NFL. If it's bringing you so much grief, then quit. Boycott, your life will get better. Lastly, I don't wanna be the person that just complains about a situation without offering up solutions to the problem. So here's some of the solutions that I think we could start enacting that would help police and citizen relationships today. Because shouldn't the end result be to mitigate police violence, holding bad cops accountable and improving police and community relationships? Shouldn't every single person on both sides of this be in favor of that? 
People on the left need to admit that not every cop's bad. People on the right, can't you admit that there's some bad apples in the police force? Hell, even if it's just 5% of all cops across the country, let's say there's a million cops, that's still 50,000 bad cops we should wanna get rid of. This shouldn't be a controversial issue. We should make our laws and those that enforce the laws be an example to the rest of the world. Police should be held to a higher standard, yes. That comes with the territory of being in charge, of being the one that enforces the laws. We should strive to have the greatest and most qualified police force that the world has ever known. We should only hire those that are gonna be the most well-equipped in stressful situations. We need to have more education. We need to have more training. We need to make sure that the right man or woman is getting hired for that job. We should do away with the prison guard union and the private prison union that looks to keep people in cages and turn a profit in doing so. We should abolish civil asset forfeiture which the local police are allowed to steal property, money, cars, houses from its citizens without due process. Look it up. I'll link to articles down below. And lastly on the issue, we all need to realize that America's currently safer than it's ever been before. Violent crime is at an all-time low. Violent crime hasn't spiked in America. We're more peaceful than we've ever been. According to a Pew Research, crime statistics in the U.S. have had a substantial decline in violent crime rates since it peaked in the early 1990s. Using the FBI's number, the violent crime rate fell 48% between 1993 and 2016. Using the Bureau of Justice statistics, which include both crimes reported and unreported, the rate fell 74% during that span. But turn on the TV and it looks like Mad Max. However, even all the data proving the United States is safer than ever, opinion surveys regularly find that Americans believe crime is up nationally even when the data shows the contrary. In 17 Gallup surveys conducted since 1993, at least 6 in 10 Americans said there was more crime in the U.S. compared with the year before, despite the generally downward trend in national violent and property crime rates during much of that period. So it's not that crime is up. It's the way we consume media in which allows us to perceive the violence is at an all-time high. So what can we do? Turn off Fox News. Turn off CNN. They are not in the business of informing you and I how great the country really is. They are there to stoke the flame. They are there for ratings. And how do they get those ratings? I actively airing disagreeances, by showing violence, by pinning us against one another, by perpetuating the notion that it's us versus them, Republicans versus Democrats, citizens versus police. This is their business they're in. But what do the facts say? That we're safer and more prosperous than ever before. So turn off the TV, go outside, say hi to your neighbor, be nice to that person on the street, let that person go in front of you, pay it forward when you're in a drive through and buy food for someone behind you. We can do it. We live in America. We're filled with love. It's what the data shows. So turn off that TV and go outside because we're in a pretty great place. So damn it, let's start acting like it. So that's it. 
That's what's happening. Things are good. Don't believe what's in front of your eyes. What does the data say? Is my dad always says, Grayson, just give me the facts. The facts is that more people have access to homes than ever before, to water than ever before, to money than ever before, and violence is way down. So fuck Trump, fuck the news, hug a neighbor, everything's gonna be all right. So that's it. That's what's happening. This was the Prove Me Wrong podcast presents what's happening. If you haven't yet, go give the page a like on Facebook at the Prove Me Wrong pod. Follow me on all socials at Grayson underscore Gregory. Have yourself a great week. And you know what? I'll catch you next week. Peace.